0: So, uh, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but I broke the law this morning, Um, probably more than once, but my guess is also many of you also broke the law this morning too. And no, we don't have like ca- traffic cameras outside, you know, to catch the people who are texting and driving or anything like that, or, you know... Instagram posting at the stoplights or, you know, any any of that type of thing. No, that's not what it is. And yes, I do understand that many of you probably broke the speed limit on the way here and somehow we're still late everywhere we go. I, this is kind of how it works. I know those aren't the laws that I'm talking about. This is the law that I'm talking about. This is Indiana law. Do you know this law? Here, here, here it is. Baths may not be taken between the months of October and March. That is a real law in Indiana. So have you taken a shower since October 1st? If you have, how dare you, apparently. That's half the year, by the way, October to March. Like, I know it's a little colder, but come on. There are a lot of weird laws actually in a lot of different states that we don't know exist. We were breaking the law actually without even knowing it. Here's one that I kind of agree with. This is also a law in Indiana. A person may not enter a theater within four hours of eating garlic. I knew eating too much garlic was against the law. Like, no one wants to be around that person. But here's my favorite one that I found. I just love this so much. Here it is. It is illegal to force a monkey to smoke a cigarette. In Indiana, well, there goes our Sunday afternoon, right? <laughs> like, why is this a thing? Have you had, like, like, was this a problem going on in Indiana? Like, were there like monkey smoking shows or something? Like, why, why in the world would we have to have a, a law like this? There are actually over thirty thousand laws and statutes in the United States, and many of them vary actually from state to state. And it turns out maybe we aren't as law-abiding citizens as we think we are, and not just because of weird laws. I mean, just the laws while driving can get some of us in trouble. And wives, don't elbow your husbands. We know it's happening. But when it comes to other areas of our lives, maybe spiritual things, we aren't maybe as law-abiding as we act like we are either. And some people think that Christianity or following Jesus is really just following a bunch of rules, a.k.a. God's law. And and we can't live up to all the do's and all the don'ts and all the thou shall nots or any of that. And in the Old Testament, actually, the Israelites were given 613 laws to try and uphold. They even had ways to ask for forgiveness for when they didn't know they broke the law. We can kind of feel like this, right? Like, we can't live up to keeping up with all the rules, keeping up with everything that's expected of us. We aren't good enough. We don't measure up, so why even try? Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like you just can't measure up no matter what you do, no matter what's expected of you? You just can't measure up. I think we can all relate to that one way or another. Maybe it's a job expectation. You know, you work hard, you try You just feel like it's never enough. Maybe you're told by your boss that it's never enough. There's always more to do. There's always more to figure out. There's always more money to make, always more decisions to do. It's never ending and it is stressful and it is hard and you just feel like you can't measure up. Is it a family situation for you? I mean, you're not where you want to be from a family sense. Maybe you feel like your dating life is just miserable and empty and you just can't measure up or your spouse's expectations are unrealistic, or you just don't know what to do, or the spark is gone in your marriage and you just don't know how to fix it. Or as a parent, maybe you feel woefully inadequate. You're comparing yourself to other parents at the playground or other kids who are doing well in school or whatever, and you just don't know what to do. Or you desire to be a parent so much, and it hurts even for me to mention it right now in your head and in your heart. Is it something about yourself? Maybe you get up and you look in the mirror and you're like, I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not safe enough. I'm not secure enough, healthy enough, cool enough, whatever it is. And don't get me started on spiritual things. (laughs) Like, you feel like you couldn't possibly meet all of the expectations. Like, you go to church, and like, we talk about, hey, here are ways that maybe you can follow God. And you're like, I can't do all of these things, and I don't know how to do it, and I can't live up to all of God's expectations. We try, and maybe we even do a pretty good job. But if you feel like you can't measure up, those feelings aren't new, they're not unique. They've been around for a long time. And many people go through these moments of struggle or feelings that we can't measure up, especially maybe spiritually. And we look and we compare. And sometimes we even say things like, I can't possibly pray like that person over there. I can't be generous like that person over there. I can't understand the Bible like that person over there. And if you feel that way, look, I understand. I feel that way too sometimes and if you struggle with this trying to measure up in your life, I mean, measure up to expectation, measure to keeping up with the Joneses. Sorry, Joneses. I have friends whose last names are Jones. Sorry. can't live up to what God wants in your life. I want you to know there's hope. And that's really what we're talking about today. So here's how we're going to kind of navigate this measure up problem and equation. So here's kind of the big idea for today. Because of Jesus, we are free actually from having to measure up. Now, last week, we talked about people pleasing in particular. And as long as we're trying to do what God wants us to do, as long as we are are pleasing God, it frees us from pleasing people. But still, sometimes we feel like we have these spiritual obligations and that God doesn't necessarily intend for us to put on ourselves. And we've been going through the book of Galatians in a series. We've been calling it Galatians, Freedom in Jesus. And freedom is really one of the big themes in the book of Galatians. And today we're going to talk specifically about this theme of freedom when it comes to, like, spiritual obligations, when it comes to measuring up, when it comes to the law. Now, have you ever stopped and wondered, why do laws exist like there are reasons, there are reasons that laws exist, and maybe to keep us safe, keep us from harm, maybe to guide us in some ways. But why do God's laws exist in the first place? I mean, why have 600 plus laws in the Old Testament? Do they apply to us? I mean, does it even matter? Now, the Old Testament is kind of the first part of the Bible, and it really tells the story of God's people, of the nation of Israel, And the Old Testament law was given to God's people, the Israelites, to help them obey and to help them please God. An example is the Ten Commandments. Have you heard of the Ten Commandments? Like that's in the Old Testament. And some of the laws really helped the Israelites. They helped them know how to worship. They helped them to know how to go about having a right relationship with each other, have a right relationship with God. Some of the laws were meant to make this Country of Israel distinct and set apart from other nations. But this is important the law that God gave was helpful and it was good and it was created by God, but it was also there for another reason. See, this Old Testament law was there to remind them that they needed God, that they needed a Savior. This is how Paul describes it in Galatians 3. You're going to pick up in uh, around Galatians 19. This is what he says. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. So this is what this means. Every single person, me, you, every single person you know, falls short of God's standard, and not just the Old Testament law. We fall short of His standard in general. We fall short, we sin, we make mistakes, we don't measure up to His standard, His law. So sometimes when we feel like we don't measure up, partly it's because we don't actually. I don't measure up, I mess up all of the time. And just like the Israelites, I am in need of a savior, but we kind of get it mixed up because we think that we have to earn it. And then they're good news because of Jesus. See, we're free from having to measure up. Like that's not the point. Because of Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross, that the child that was promised that Paul is talking about, we don't have to measure up. So what does that mean? What does it mean we don't have to measure up? Well, it means that Jesus already has measured up on our behalf. And that's important because it doesn't mean that we don't have to try. doesn't mean that we don't give it our best shot. And honoring Jesus with what we do is still important. But instead of trying to measure up to an unrealistic expectation of perfection that we can't meet, Jesus did it on our behalf. And because of Jesus, we're free actually from just the strain and the burden and the weight of trying to earn that right relationship with God but we don't always approach spiritual things this way actually I think it's much more common for us to think that we do have to earn that right relationship with God that we have to work really hard at it and that's what the relationship is based on and if we're good people we should be treated accordingly because that's only fair right Like that's what we think we want in a relationship with God. We think we want things to be fair. And it kind of sounds like this. I do this, God, and then you do that for me. Okay. I go to church and you make me feel better. I give generously and then you give me what I want. I pray and you answer. I show up, therefore you help me. And we kind of make this equation and we just want life to be fair. Like when we play a game, we want it to be fair. When we watch a sport, we want it to be fair. I mean, that's why we yell at like referees and umpires or anything. Anybody, anybody out kind of a closet, yell at, at the referee guy? Some of you are lying. Some of you are looking at other people like you are. I understand. But it's because we want it to be Fair. We want it. I mean, we also want it to be fair for our team, but we want it to be fair. But you know why? I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we all kind of have this ingrained in us. You know the people who think that life should be fair the most out of anybody. It's kids. It's my kids. It's your kids. It's every single kid, kid that I have ever met in my entire life. They want things to be fair. They want the game to be fair. They want all of it to be in their favor. And my kids do a chore, right? They take the trash out. And the first response is, what do I get? Like, because I did that for you, I took care of my responsibility. Therefore I should get something. But now it's even transitioned. And now it's like, Hey, go and take out the trash. And they're like, what do I get if I take out this trash? And it's like, you get to live here is the answer to that. But we want things to be fair. We want it to be transactional. We want it all to kind of be in a nice, simple equation. So I kind of want to illustrate that, put that equation up here. So I'm going to bring out a flip chart. I love it. I love it. I know the smile on your face. It's not as big as a smile on my heart. Like, I'm so excited about this. I wish we had a little jingle for when, for when Louis came out, like the flip chart jingle or something like that. He could dance and all that, but we don't have that. I'm sorry. But here's kind of the equation. So we, we want life to be fair. That's what we want. Life, like we want things to work out on our behalf. We want to do it in that way. But how do, we, how do we figure that out? Well, the first way is we know we should be good people. We should do good things. And we think that if we are good enough, like we do enough good things, go to church, help other people, we're generous, we're kind, we're loving, that that gives us what we want in Life, but we also know, hey, we're not perfect. No one claims that. Like, okay, I've, I've made some bad decisions. So we really think that, that the, that's a bad B. We really think that our bad choices kind of weigh out the good deeds, but our good deeds should, should be more than our bad choices in our life. And we really think that this is the equation that we should live by. This is what we want in our life because that's what's fair. We think if we're good people, we should get good stuff. If we're bad people, they should get bad stuff. And I'm a good person and you're a bad person. And like, that's, that's kind of how we interact with other people. But what is fair? So we think, okay, if I work really hard and I do good things and I put enough in that category, then I'll be successful. That's what's fair. If I do good things, then what will happen to me? Well, good things will happen to me. That's what's fair. We call that karma. If you're generous, then other people will be generous with me and I'll feel good and I'll be rich. If I'm a good person, everything will turn out okay for me. We want this equation to balance out. We want to be in control of it. And we approach Jesus like this equation. We think following Jesus is like a transaction at an ATM. We put in the faithfulness. We put in the good stuff. We go to church. We treat people right. And therefore, when we need him, you better show up in the way that we want. Better show up with blessing. You better show up with kindness. You better show up with love. We think we deserve it. And that's only fair to get what we deserve. And here's how Paul responds to this type of equation. This is Galatians 3.3. This is what he says. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I mean, that's incredibly harsh. It's right up in my face. Because this is saying a right relationship with God isn't done by my effort. It's not something that I can earn. Like I can't stack up enough good choices or I can't avoid enough bad choices. Just hoping, right, that what I've done is, is enough that I can get into heaven or I can have good things because I'm a good person. And the next verse kind of explains it even more. This is verse five. He goes, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because of what you do? Obey the law? Of course not. He answers the question. He goes, hey, this equation, of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ, about Jesus. It's not based on what we do. It's not based on the equation, it's based on what Jesus has already done. Because of Jesus, we are free from having to measure up to this equation. But this isn't how we live at all. This isn't how we approach God. And remember the equation, we say it's fair, but but really what this should be called is justice. It's really the law. And we think that life should be fair, that we should get what we earn because we're good enough, we don't do enough bad, and that is what is the most fair. It's good deeds minus bad choices. Fair is justice, good vibes, put enough good in the world. This equation though is actually called moralism. And we think it's the way that life works sometimes. And if I do enough good stuff and I don't do enough... Any bad stuff, I get what I deserve. That's justice. If I'm good, I get good stuff. If I'm bad, I get bad stuff. And we believe it's real. And then we get frustrated because of why? Because life isn't, you can say it, life isn't, we tell our kids all the time. You know how I know life isn't fair? Cancer exists. Death exists. Divorce exists. Divorce exists. Hurt exists, pain exists, abuse exists, trauma exists. Life is not fair. Just because you do good things doesn't mean all good will happen to you. And I think we know that as we live our lives, we see that, we've experienced that. So what do we do? Because we want the equation because we think it works, but then we live a life and we're rudely reminded that life is not fair. But we know that we, we still act like this equation is true until it's not. And if it were up to us, we'd live this way because fair is fair. But this actually isn't what we want. I mean, if we're being honest, we want what's fair for others. We want grace for ourselves. Here's kind of the way that I describe it. We've, we've said this before here. Justice is getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. And grace is getting what we don't deserve kind of describe it like getting pulled over. So you're you're going way too fast. You get pulled over by a police officer. What is it that you deserve? What would be justice? One person wants a ticket, one, in this room. Everybody else wants mercy, right? Because getting what we deserve is a ticket. It's justice. Not getting the ticket, being let go, getting a warning, that's mercy. Getting a $50 gift card to Starbucks that now buys two cups of coffee, But that's grace, because it doesn't even make sense to us. Getting something we don't even deserve, we can't do on our own, it makes no sense to us. That's grace. And this is how Paul kind of describes this. This is Galatians 3, starting in verse 10. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God, justice, are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law, because that's impossible to do. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. We cannot measure up. The equation does not work out. No one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. So I'm gonna be laser clear right now. We can't earn it. Can't do it. We can't stack enough good stuff. We don't deserve the grace that God gives. It's not something we can do on our own. The equation will not balance out if it's up to us. We fall too short, but verse 11 kind of explains how this works. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life life. It's through faith. Faith in what? It's faith in Jesus. And it's nothing we can do on our own. It's Jesus, not us. It's Jesus, not good stuff minus bad stuff. It's Jesus, not the law. In verse 13, but Christ has rescued us from the curse of pronounced by the law, when he was hung up on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles. So there's the Jews and then there's everybody else. That's the Gentiles. With the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers, that's us he's talking about, by the way, might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. So what promise is he talking about? He's talking about this promise to Abraham, kind of at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis 12, that all people will be a part of his ancestry, will be a part of God's chosen people. What does that mean? Paul is saying all people, not just Jews, but also Gentiles, those who aren't Israelites, will be loved and saved through Jesus. And that's been the plan the whole time. I love it when a plan comes together. Isn't that incredible? One person knows what that's from. That's okay. It's through Jesus and it's through Jesus alone. And it's called grace. And the simple definition of grace that I just really like is getting what you don't deserve. We don't deserve that right relationship with God. That's what justice is. That's what good minus bad is. But grace is extravagant. Grace is undeserved. It's amazing. That's why we sing about it and pray about it and talk about it as much as we do. Because of Jesus, we are free from having to measure up. So if it's not this equation, we probably have to draw a different equation, don't we? Like, so what is the equation? Well, it's really, we're looking for, we're not necessarily looking for what's fair, What we're looking is for what we don't deserve. We're looking for grace. And grace is greater than having to earn it. It's greater than having to measure up to things that we can't ever measure up to. It's greater than any work that we can put in. It's greater than what we do. It's greater than good deeds minus bad deeds. It's greater than fair. It's greater than the law. It's greater than justice. Grace is greater. We cannot earn it. We Don't deserve it. Knowing you are loved and cared for changes the way that we live. That doesn't mean that our behavior doesn't matter. Our behavior does matter. It just means that grace matters more. Grace is greater. And we don't measure up. And instead of living like we don't measure up, we understand that Jesus did enough for us on the cross, His grace is enough and it changes everything. And we could go on and on and on about this. Sometimes we do go on and on and about this. This entire series is kind of about God's grace. But there are two things that we're going to talk about today more specifically that I think grace changes and the equation kind of shifts it around. So here, here's the first one because of grace, we should stop comparing. I think this is one of the problems with that top equation because we think it's unfair because of how we measure fair. So this is about us, but it's also about you. And I say, okay, well you don't do enough good and bad and I don't understand why you're getting this and I don't get that. We measure, we look at our neighbor, we compare, we look at our friend, we look at the ex-spouse and we think you did this and you deserve that and that's not fair. But we're free from having to measure up. You know where this happens a lot? This happens on social media a lot. Some of us need to not be on social media, right? And we know that that's true. But here's why. It's not because of what maybe you think. It's not because of what you post. It's how you interact with that other person's post. It's, what happened in, it's what's happening in your heart. And you're like, I could never live that way. How come they get to go on that vacation? How come they get to do that? How come, how come that's not fair, But God loves you so much that he sent Jesus for you and for the person that you compare yourself to. Comparison is unhealthy because it's inaccurate. We always give ourselves a little bit more grace and we also always are a little harder on ourselves too. And grace doesn't compare because grace is in Jesus and it's based on the truth that none of us outside of Jesus can balance the equation. We fall short of the standard. That's the whole point Even one negative on the side of the equation ruins it. But the amazing thing is Jesus says, stop comparing, grace is better. Grace is greater. And everyone is invited because everyone falls short. So everyone is extended the grace that if we believe, if we have faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross, then we have that right relationship with God. It's not about us, it's not about them, it's about Jesus And the people with the messy past and people with hurts and people with the stinging regret are invited because grace is greater. And the amazing thing is the people with the past and the hurts and the regret are invited. And so are the people who judge the people with the past and the hurts and the regret because Jesus invites us all in. And he's saying, you sin and you sin and you're a sinner and I love you anyway. So much so I'll die on a cross for you and lay down my life for you because grace is greater. So we're free from having to measure up and compare. But here's the second thing that I think grace allows us to do. is to be thankful. And this is simple, but it's a good place to start. See, when we finally realize that we receive this undeserved grace, this wonderful grace, a great way to respond is to thank God. Like right here, right now, to thank God for stepping in your place. See, God loves you so much. You are loved even when you fall short, even when you make mistakes. You are loved beyond your comprehension so much so that he would say, this is what you get. You want it to be fair? How about I give you what is beyond fair because grace is greater than fair. So, are you tired of trying to measure up? Are you t- tired of trying to meet those expectations for God or for yourself or for other people? You can thank God that you have His grace. You can thank God, and the natural byproduct is then to love Him with all you've got. He gives you this grace, and it's the type of grace that's given to the worker who's been stealing from their employer. That doesn't make any sense. It's the type of grace that's given to the person who can't control their anger and doesn't know what to do and needs help. It's the type of grace that's given to the addict that doesn't know where to turn, but God has been working the whole time putting people around them that loves them. It's the type of grace that is given to the holier-than-thou Christ follower who hurts others more than they understand with what they say and what they do and what they post. It's the type of grace that's given despite the worst thing that you've ever done or has ever been done to you. Because of grace, we are free from having to measure up. We're given grace freely because of Jesus. We could just stop right there. Because of Jesus, we are free from having to measure up because grace is greater. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, help us in this moment right now, help us be thankful for who you are. We aren't enough, and yet you still choose to love us. You still choose to guide us. Your love is still great and perfect and full, and your grace is greater than anything we could possibly do on our own. I'm so grateful for that, and I confess I just confess right now that I don't, always, I don't always live that way. I fall into this. I've got to do more. I've got to be more. I've got to think more. I've got to pray more. I've got to do all of these things. And it's not that doing things isn't important. It's that you are the most important. And your grace is enough. Your love is enough. What Jesus did on the cross is enough. So help us live like that's true. Help us stop comparing Stop running that bad and good and plus and minus equation in our head. Help us rest, be thankful for the grace that you have given that is beyond anything we can do for ourselves. You are always guiding us. You are always loving us. You are always making a way for us because your grace is so great and so perfect and so full. That's the promise that you keep and that's who you are. Thank you for the cross and that it matters and the grace that comes in the right relationship that we can't earn, but we still have because of you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.